Yeah, am I enabling the hermit <laughs> inside of you? Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 159. I'm Brian Shealy. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. We are continuing here in our guided study, talking about what's good. And there's a lot of things that are good. We're just scratching the surface here as we've been kind of covering some of God's amazing gifts. And today, we're going to cover a topic that is near and dear to my heart as somebody who loves to celebrate. And so today, we're talking about celebration. I think this is maybe something that we don't talk often enough about, but it's something that God has blessed us with the opportunity to have a party, I guess, if you really want to say it that way. (laughs) The further we've gotten into this study, the more I feel like we are out on a unique island with this study (laughs) topic. It is, uh, I think these are important things and we're, we're going to scripture and just highlighting things that it's easy to miss that God wants us to recognize all that is good in the world, to enjoy it in in a way that glorifies him and to lift him up accordingly with his blessings that he's pouring down on us. I think it's so important, though, as we think about celebration, how all of these things can lead us to glorify God. And that is where we get into our conversation starter this week, where we go back to a daily download episode that we dropped, and that was called Party Planning. This is what's good. Party planning. I've been to plenty of parties over the years that weren't any fun. It's sad, but no one wants to throw a stinker of a celebration. With all your party planning, you want people to enjoy themselves, feel comfortable and welcomed, and focus their attention on the people and the reason for gathering. But sometimes a party just goes stale and people wind up wishing they'd stayed home in their pajamas. So are followers of Christ any fun? Are we joyful people who know how to let loose and have a good time? So as we continue to think together about God's amazing gifts, let's see the blessing of joyfully celebrating life's good things. Here's the big idea. It pleases and glorifies God when we gratefully enjoy his blessings together. As with so many of the good gifts we've considered already, joyful celebration is a timeless activity we practice now while we wait to do it for all eternity. Just imagine a scene like the one that John saw in Revelation 19, where multitudes shouted praise to God as they waited for the great wedding feast of the Lamb. Also picture the angels' celebration when lost souls returned to the Lord in Luke 15. It's safe to say that we've never been to a party like the ones in heaven. After all, God gives us laughter and meals shared with good company. We can eat and drink and find enjoyment from the hand of God For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Ecclesiastes 2, 24 to 25. But as with everything in life, we party sincerely, thoughtfully, and with plenty of self-control. Of course, we must fear God and keep his commandments, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. But also, be joyful and do good, eat and drink and take pleasure. This is God's gift to man, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 12 to 13. So here's the big question. How are you expressing your joy and enthusiasm to those around you? So follow along with this guided study at BibleGeeks.fm slash good. And may the Lord bless you and keep you today. Shalom. Well, as we said there, the big idea that we're talking about is that it pleases and glorifies God when we gratefully enjoy his blessings together. 
And I, I really do think this is important. I have not heard very many sermons about this idea, but Scripture <laughs> is very clear throughout it. We always talk in each of these studies we've been doing about how we can turn some of these good gifts into idols. We saw it with nature or with work or with rest or any, any of these things can be lifted up. And it's easy to make an idol out of enjoyment or to think, as I think a lot of people do, that happiness is the point of life. The problem is by making joy the goal, you push it away. It's very elusive. This is what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. You chase a lot of rainbows and find a lot of fool's gold. It's all, as the preacher there says, hevel or, or vanity or emptiness. But as Ecclesiastes teaches, there is a higher aim to our lives, like we just heard in that conversation starter, to honor God, to fear God, to keep his commandments is at the heart of everything we do. That's why we exist. And God does give us good things, and he does want us to enjoy them. But we're to constantly see all of this stuff, all these gifts, all of the blessings, all of the things we enjoy as more reasons to trust and praise and obey him. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful way to reframe celebration is that it's not an end to itself, right? I think that's what you're saying. It's not that we celebrate yeah. for celebration's sake, but we celebrate as a way to glorify and honor God. And that's really what this whole conversation is about today. And that kind of leads us to our big question there in that conversation starter, which was, how are you expressing your joy and enthusiasm to those around you? That's kind of a personal question for all of us. And uh, as I'm thinking about that tonight, this is our company holiday party, actually tonight, the, the evening we're recording, I could have been celebrating with all of my coworkers, and I chose not to, <laughs> so that I could come and record this episode. Well, not just that. I mean, I didn't really want to go anyway, but like, it kind of leads me to ask this question, like, I skipped a celebration to come and talk about celebration. <laughs> it seems a little <laughs> hypocritical, maybe, I don't know, but... Yeah, yeah. Am I enabling the hermit <laughs> inside of you exactly. with this recording no, uh, scheduling? I think, for me, it kind of has me asking the question, like, am I that way habitually, though? Like, it's one thing if you if you don't go to one celebration or, or another party or whatever, but, like, am I always that way? Like you said, am I a, a habitual sort of hermit? kind of wanting to be alone and not really wanting to go and, and have fun with people or enjoy life or, you know, mark moments and occasions like this. So that's kind of the question for each of us looking inwardly, like, am I taking advantage of these joyful moments and being enthusiastic about it? Well, I have a feeling we're going to continue this hermit theme <laughs> as we get to our icebreaker question, which Brian is, what is your ideal way to spend a birthday? Okay, so as as most people probably know, if they've listened to the podcast for any length of time, uh, one of my great joys is to be alone. <laughs> and uh, I guess if you're talking about encouraging the hermit lifestyle, that is one of my favorite things to do. Going up to a cabin, going camping, going and being by myself out in nature. I love that. It's uh, For me, it's just a way of recharging. Not that I don't love to be with my family. I do. I love them dearly. But sometimes it's just nice to be by yourself. As an only child, that's kind of always spoken to me. I actually just turned 40 here a few days ago as we record. Happy birthday to hey, you. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things that felt really weird this year was not going off and, uh, and spending some time, a couple days by myself. I was sort of busy at work and things were going on. And 
So it, it feels strange when I don't get the opportunity to do that. But yeah, I guess it, it's going to pale in comparison to the uh, kind of explanation I'm sure you're about to give. Well, I don't know. To me, your typical birthdays are pretty epic. That's a, an amazing <laughs> idea. Getting away and going to a cabin or getting kicked out by uh, a bear and uh, some rattlesnakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool. My ideal way to spend a birthday, we did this a lot when we lived in Arizona. Adrian and I would go skiing and it's kind of like being alone, but together, you know how that, that goes. So, <laughs> sure. you know, we, we get to be together and then we would go up and you can ski for free in Flagstaff on your birthday. And so we would go up to Snowbowl and we get pizza and then we'd stop for the best pie in Arizona at the Rock, Rock Springs, Springs Cafe. <laughs> and then uh, Adrienne there would give her gift to me, which was a blessing every year. She would write a blessing that she had put thought into. And that was always my request. I don't want a present just if you could write something for me as a blessing. And it was just really meaningful, wonderful way to spend a day. She'd usually make a playlist for our road trip up. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really neat. We haven't completely found the best replacement here. We've done a lot of different things and, and it's always good. It's always good to be with the family and everything. But since we're talking ideals, that's my <laughs> ideal way to spend a birthday. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everybody has that though, right? Like, what is it that you could do if you could do it every year? What would you do? And and I think yeah. for us, these are our answers, but I'm sure everybody's going to have their own answer. Let's move on to our first segment here on the episode though. And that is Jesus said. And so we're going to go to a place where Jesus has something to teach us. And it's one of the passages we talked about in our conversation starter there in Luke chapter 15. And of course, as you know, this passage in Luke 15 is talking about three lost things. And these parables that Jesus uses here are about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and then obviously a lost son in the prodigal son story there. And here in these verses, though, we're kind of covering verses 3 through 10, where it's those first two stories. And we see here that just simple explanations of this shepherd who loses a sheep and leaves the 99 behind and there is a great party that happens when that sheep is found. And then likewise, this woman who loses a coin, having 10 silver coins, she loses one of them. And she knows like, I got to find this thing. As soon as she finds it, it's party time. And she <laughs> is so excited to have discovered this again. Obviously, we know here that Jesus is talking about sinners who are coming back to the Lord. But uh, what do you learn about this from what Jesus has to say about celebration? Yeah, he is. He's talking about sinners, of course, and he's telling these parables as a response to the Pharisees' disgust at him eating with sinners. Yeah. But like that shepherd, Jesus is doing whatever he can to bring the lost ones home. That's part of the point here, right? He, he will go and go way out into the field, or he will turn over every couch cushion to find that coin. He'll do whatever it takes. And when they return, the Pharisees and all of God's people should take a cue from the celebration in heaven and rejoice. And I think that's the takeaway. If heaven is rejoicing, which is a Jewish way of saying God is rejoicing, then I should be rejoicing. Sometimes there's pressure to celebrate everything. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but like if anything makes someone else feel good, then you should celebrate it. But, oh, yeah. you know, First Corinthians 13, 6, I always think of 
Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And I want to be in tune with what God treasures so that I can smile with him, so that I can celebrate with him. I never want to be celebrating when he isn't or unhappy about something that he's smiling upon, like these Pharisees are unhappy that Jesus is with these sinners who are coming back to the Lord, you know, who are rejoicing in God and in his, his newfound restored fellowship. And I think it's a strange thought thinking about God celebrating. There's that song we sing, the smile of the blessed giver. Oh yeah. Think about that. Uh huh. Zephaniah captures a similar idea to what Jesus pictures in this parable in a passage I've actually heard called the John 316 of the Old Testament. <laughs> it's because uh, it so captures God's love. In Zephaniah 316 and 17, he says to his people, after he takes their judgments away, in verse 15, he says, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. This is this picture of God like just jumping for joy and singing a song of joy over his people and also quieting them. So it's like this exuberance. And then this, he will quiet you by his love, like a father or a mother with a, a baby, you know, just quieting you, but also just exuberantly excited over you. And so if that's how God feels, if God is that excited about someone coming back to him, about, you know, seeing a baptism or seeing someone find the Lord or about just anything that God is happy about, then that's what I want to be feeling. I want to be in tune with that and genuinely be excited about those things that God is excited about. Do you know what March 22nd is? No. Yeah, I had to look this up. <laughs> March 22nd is We Love Broccoli Day which actually falls <laughs> during National Nutrition Month, which is my favorite month of the year, of course. <laughs> you know, you think about these these sort of weird holidays or days of remembrance that we have here in our country sometimes, and it's like it I think it parallels the way we lift up things that probably should not be lifted up, but we should probably not be celebrating some of the the pridefulness and the selfishness and the just overindulgence that happens in our world sometimes, but we do. As a general rule, our society does sometimes, and and maybe it would be good for us to take a cue from Jesus and not be overly excited about things that really we shouldn't be that excited about. Like broccoli. Like broccoli, right? <laughs> but like save our celebration for a time that actually deserves it, like we're talking about here in this verse. Yeah, exactly. And what's worse than celebrating something that isn't that big a deal is like you said, celebrating something that's truly evil, yeah. you know? And, and we then, I was joking earlier about it, enabling the hermit in you, but you know, <laughs> we can enable, you know, really, really dark things in each other thinking we're rejoicing with those who rejoice. Yeah. When really we're, we're just taking a coward's way out. So there, there is another side to not everything is celebrated. We celebrate what God celebrates. Yeah. And we have to mourn with what God mourns over. Yeah. As I was thinking about these verses, I was thinking about how rejoicing isn't done alone. And I think that's one of the things we see here in this example, how each of these stories, the one who finds the lost thing 
quote unquote calls together others to celebrate. The shepherd who finds the lost sheep calls together his friends and neighbors and the the woman with the lost coin calls together her friends and neighbors. There's a gathering of people there. And I just had to wonder for myself, I'm going to be the called together from time to time. And that's kind of what you were talking about. I am going to be the friend and the neighbor sometimes. When somebody has a a reason to celebrate, something that they are joyful over, I am going to have to be the one who responds and comes to that call to to celebrate. It's hard to celebrate alone. (laughs) And I think, as I just got done talking about celebrating alone, it's hard to celebrate alone. (laughs) And I think here, as we see in these parables, that celebration is much better to be done amongst other people. So my question, I guess, is, am I responding to the call? When it's time to celebrate, am I responding to that call? And it kind of makes me think also about Matthew 22. Remember about the parable of the great wedding feast where people were making all kinds of excuses and they didn't want to come to the wedding feast. You know, I could really choose to come and celebrate or I could choose to take care of my ox and uh, take care of my field and whatever it is that I I might distract myself with. But am I going to be the kind of person who comes to the side of my brothers and sisters when they have success and when it's time to acknowledge the the blessings of their life? Is that who I am? Am I tuned in to people like that? That is a good setup for our reach out question later and kind of uh, (laughs) stepping on my toes a little, to be honest. Cool. All right. Well, that's that's great. It's always good to see how even Jesus wants us to rejoice, believe it or not. So let's get into our second segment here on the episode. And that is Deep Thoughts. And now Deep Thoughts. We're setting the stage for some deep thoughts on enjoying (laughs) life. As we've been talking about here on the episode, it is a little bit of of a challenging concept maybe for some people to wrap their minds around that God wants us to be happy. He wants us to celebrate. As uh, Ken Leach used to say, he doesn't want us to walk around looking like we've been sucking on a dill pickle. Like He wants us to look like we actually enjoy the blessings that God is pouring into our life. And so, as we think about that, what are some deep thoughts that you have about enjoying life? Yeah, that was a really good setup for what I was thinking about. Uh, There's an interesting thing that happens in Nehemiah 8. The people learn God's commandments there. They weep evidently in repentance as they're for the first time really starting to grasp what God wants for them as as Ezra and the scribes are not only reading the law but explaining to them what it means wait the episode and, is on celebration not on weeping just just so we're clear <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> but but that is where we sometimes go and let me let me get this thought fully rounded out and i think you'll see how that's that's sort of the point what you're saying there So Ezra and Nehemiah say to them in Nehemiah 8 verses 9 to 12 that this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. (laughs) And so all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. I see what you're doing now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we're not under that law, of course, but still, when I think of something as holy, 
It feels like it should be somber, at least. (laughs) And here, they were rebuked for it and told to celebrate the feast as it's intended. Right. And actually, that's a pretty big theme. There is both in the worship of God, whenever God's presence shows up in the tabernacle or the temple, both fear or awe and extreme joy. And as a response to the evil pleasures of the world, one of the things that I see, I mean, I've I remember as a young man being tempted to go in this direction myself. I think religious people have often turned to asceticism, thinking that if you deny yourself every enjoyment of anything, you've achieved some higher order of spirituality. But Paul makes it clear that this would be part of an apostasy in 1 Timothy 4. I just want to get this set up so you can see how bad it is. I'm not even going to say all of it, but now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And he says what it is, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. That's 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. It was important to Paul to protect from these demands, whether these demons were leading people to celibacy, to command people to be celibate, or to command people to abstain from good foods. His teaching is... Everything created by God is good. Don't reject it. Receive it with thanksgiving as long as it's within the word of God, which really I think is our point in the big idea of this lesson that God made these things for us to gratefully enjoy and and that that pleases and glorifies him. And so he wants us to see that. And if we live in Christ, according to his ways, we have everything. Because we're putting everything in their proper place. Like he said there, we're turning to God, we're giving him thanksgiving, we're honoring him, we're using them within his word. And there's this passage where Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 to 23, this was in a time when they were starting to divide around preachers, Paul and Apollos and Cephas. And he says, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. <laughs> and I've always loved Mike Willis's truth commentary on this passage, and I'll just read a little bit of it. He says, the sublimity, which is a fun word too, like <laughs> the sublimeness, I would say, the sublimity of the Christian's favored position is becoming more apparent. Not only are the preachers appointed to serve the church, but also the world itself belongs to the Christian. The point is that the world exists and subsists for the usefulness of the saint. Only the Christian can properly use the things of the world. The non-Christian generally lets the world use him or is possessed by the world. Though we generally say that a rich man owns vast possessions, his possessions usually possess him. But of course, not only does Paul say that The world belongs to us. According to Paul, life belongs to us. We use it to glorify God. We appreciate its gifts in the right way. Death belongs to us. We don't live in dread. That's one reason that life belongs to us. Death is just a way that we're closer to Christ. 
if if we die, then I'm with Christ. To live is is good, but to die is better, Paul says in Philippians 1. And two chapters after this, just kind of bringing it home here to the end, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, Paul tells them that Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed, so we should celebrate the feast. So again, bringing this full circle to Nehemiah, what is our feast? We don't have that that feast of booths that they were celebrating. We don't have the old Passover that celebrated them coming out of Egypt. And here in 1 Corinthians 5, it's not the Lord's Supper he's talking about. It's our lives. Our whole lives are a celebration of God's deliverance, a new Passover with the true lamb as the center of the feast. So we have to purify our house. We have to get rid of the leaven and rejoice gratefully each day, remembering God has redeemed us. God has made us his. The world, life, death, everything is ours because we are Christ's and Christ is God's. So there's great reason to celebrate. <laughs> that was a little bit of a, a long diatribe there or a, a spiel, but hopefully you're able to follow my string of, of ideas there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so important because as you go back, that moment in Nehemiah obviously was intensely meaningful for those people, right? I mean, they were seeing for the first time, like, the fruit of their labors and and what they'd been wanting for so, so, so long to go back home and to rebuild the walls. And there, mm. they finally see it all and they should be excited, but, all, but they're mourning, right? Like they're crying and they're weeping. And Nehemiah just has to remind them like, look, this is not a sad day. This is a happy day. And mm. I think it's important for us to understand that there is a time for weeping. There is yeah. obviously, though, a time for rejoicing. And knowing what it is time for today, that kind of discernment to figure out, like, what what do I need to do right now? I think it's so important for us to sort of parcel out because as the world looks at us, as they look at our lives, as they see what it is that drives us, are they going to see a group of people who are so mournful and stoic and serious and all we know how to do is say no to everything? Or are they going to see us as the kind of people who are hopeful and positive and looking forward to something. You come from a marketing background, right? Like what kind of marketing is it for Christianity if all we're ever doing is mourning all the time when we should be rejoicing? Yeah, if you look at the picture of the early church in Acts 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, you know, you see a people who had gladness in their hearts and generosity with each other. And there was a sense of power and awe and gratitude and joy in their everyday life. And the word spread. I love that you go back there to the old law and like Leviticus 23, everybody's favorite chapter of the Bible, by the way, Leviticus 23, (laughs) also Deuteronomy chapter 16. But these were the two chapters really talking about the celebration and feast days uh, in the old, old law, back when the children of Israel were called to remember certain things But celebration was like, as you were talking about there, woven into the fabric of the Israelites through all these different things that they used to remember. And these were not like, take a couple hours and think about something good or something positive or whatever. No, these were like week-long feasts sometimes, just ridiculously long and drawn out and, and detailed. They were supposed to go through and do all these different things to remember certain events. And I think it's so fascinating to see how, well, eventually the children of Israel just got tired of celebrating, apparently. Like, they really didn't care about it, which is ultimately, you know, in some ways what led them to be 
taken captive and then brought back there in Nehemiah. But like these days were really important to God and he put them in place so that people could remember that they went from a very dark place to a very positive place. And I think that's what a lot of these celebrations were really focused on. Like if you think about the feast of the Passover, like what was the feast of Passover even remembering? But like the 10th plague where hundreds and maybe thousands of people died. They were remembering and celebrating this moment where God delivered them out of the hands of the Israelites. You know, you think about the Feast of Tabernacles, where really they were remembering a time where they were in the desert, like traveling. (laughs) That's what they were supposed to be remembering during this feast. And if you think about all these remembrances that they had, they were remembering a time where they were moving from a place that was hard to a place that was better. They were remembering back to a moment that they were growing, that they were getting closer to to happiness. And I think that celebration there, it should have always pointed them back to, to the way that God leads them, the way that God protected them, and the way that he would continue to protect them. And so it wasn't that they were having these celebrations just for the sake of having a celebration. There was an importance there. It was a, it was a reminder that God can do something in dark times. And celebration done right is all about glorifying God, helping us draw closer to him, helping us understand that he's blessed us and he continues to bless us. If we can acknowledge that we are on a journey like the children of Israel did, we can really progress and we can push closer and closer to our heavenly home. And I think we have, when we have an opportunity to celebrate, we acknowledge that we have gone from slavery to freedom. It kind of like reminds me of Hebrews 11, how all these people of faith there, they were not caught up in their current pleasures of life, but they were pressing on toward a heavenly home that was prepared for them that they couldn't even see. And so I think for you were sort of alluding to it there, but like each step that we take in this life, I think leads us closer to a praiseworthy spirit toward our God. We acknowledge what he's done for us. Every day that passes, every challenge that we overcome, every gift that we've been given are all there to help us on our walk as we show gratitude for these things. And we point to the to the giver of all good things, which obviously is God. I love the idea of the journey as part of the cell. Like it's a journey of celebration. It kind of makes me think of that image of the ark coming in with David dancing oh, yeah. and, and the, you know, every seven steps, there's a sacrifice or whatever it was. It's like, <laughs> Each step, we're journeying home, and the idea of our life as the feast or our life as the journey home is a really beautiful idea because it's not like if we did have a party for your birthday, it's not like that makes it the equivalent of one of those Old Testament feasts that were all about the Lord. Right. But if everything we do is celebrating the feast, if everything we do is the journey towards God, then God is going to be at the center of that simple celebration. You know, we're going to, what are we going to do before we eat? We're going to give thanks. And we're going to probably give thanks not only for the food and the happiness of the day, but for you, you know, and the blessing that you are. And we're going to pray for his help. Everything we do, our conversation, our intentions in the gathering is to to edify each other, to try to rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those who mourn, to do what glorifies God and live in his way. And so in that way, there is this sense of the joy of 
this step-by-step progress home. It's just a really <laughs> beautiful picture. I'm, I'm a, a maybe a, the metaphor of the journey or of the of the great adventure <laughs> that we're on speaks to me. Certain metaphors connect with you. Yeah. Um. And and I feel like that is what what this all is. And the what a blessing. Even if we are going through a hard thing, what a blessing to know. What's ahead of us sure. is the ultimate celebration and where we are right now, we are camping with the Lord. And so there's always something good to celebrate. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and that may be Pollyanna to some people. And maybe this whole episode is a little hoo-hoo, you know, like for, for some people to think about. But like, really, you know, if you go back, God wanted his people to celebrate. And he wanted them to celebrate because it's meaningful for us. It touches us in a deep way. And I think like going back to singing, you know, there is something that God created within us that just resonates when we can be joyful and excited and happy about something. Yeah, I think I'm okay with if if somebody is thinking that this idea of rejoicing <laughs> in the Lord is like is pie in the sky or or head in the clouds. You got to get in your Bible, you know, yeah. read Philippians, read oh, yeah. read about what what the Lord is trying to tell us, we are to rejoice in him every day. Not because everything's happy. This is not a health and wealth kind of a podcast <laughs> episode. You know, it's not, life is hard. So speaking of that, though, let's get into our reach out question. Reach out, reach out and touch someone. Okay, so what keeps you from rejoicing with those who rejoice? Sometimes it's hard to rejoice. Sometimes it's not easy for us to rejoice. So what keeps you from partying like you should? Well, I think that I can get insulated from people. I think it's it's a really delicate balance with social media, especially with a big family. I have cousins and aunts and uncles and, you know, and then there's Adrian's family and then there's church family across the world and there's old friends and you, you can just invest a lot of time and emotional energy that you don't have to spare on just sometimes celebrating with people you don't know. On the other hand, I can intentionally focus my resources, you know, because I'm aiming for maximum fruitfulness, and and then I can find <laughs> that I'm less connected to people outside my circle than ever, and that's not acceptable. That's not not good. And so I think for me, my prayer list is a key to this whole thing, a key way that I want to purposefully expand my empathy and my care to others. You know, it's that time of year I'm starting to work on my goals and think about next year. And I feel like that's something that I can use to just make sure that I'm really mindful of people beyond my immediate circle and that I'm able to, without getting out of control here, really focus on supporting people and being a son of encouragement, you know, being a Barnabas to as many people as I can. I love that idea. Obviously, Barnabas is probably one of the great celebrators. <laughs> he was the one who yeah. was always standing beside people and helping them. And and yeah, I mean, I think I resonate with that too, because as I was thinking about this question, you know, around this time of year, our family watches the movie Elf. And for me, I wish I could go into people's lives every day and just bust open the door and shout, you did it! World's best cup of coffee! Congratulations! Like, just find an opportunity to celebrate even the silliest things that are happening in people's lives, like just to be that excited about things. But for me, sometimes I just find that I am wrapped up in myself or I'm wrapped up in my own busyness or my own distractions. And, you know, not even always in bad ways, 
just sometimes being so consumed with a project or my mind is spinning around some particular thing that's going on and it kind of distracts me from being involved in other people's lives the way I should. And I wish for myself that I would just kind of remember that joy, you know, remember the excitement that I should have, remember that childlike innocence that I should have in a way that seeing the little things instead of getting so caught up in in all the distractions and busyness and things going on. Because there are times where I will, a couple days removed, realize that, man, I should have I should have said something to that person about how proud I was of them, or, or I should have mentioned something about that person's birthday or the celebration that they had. But after the fact, sometimes I kick myself for not taking advantage of that because in the moment, maybe I had bought an ox or I got married or, you know, it's like something that seemed so important in the moment where I chose not to join the celebration. Well, and especially those going back to our previous conversation in the Jesus said, especially those really important things and not just somebody coming to the Lord but celebrating growth, you know, in the Lord, celebrating someone did their first talk in front of the church or, (laughs) you know, somebody is taking a step to, to serve in a new way, just really looking for those ways to build people up in the faith. And, and I'm not saying that more kind of physical things aren't worth celebrating. Those are really important too, but as far as just making the room in your life to invest in in people, I really just want to make sure that I'm noticing and celebrating those good steps on that journey we were talking about. All right, so let's get into our challenge here on this episode, and uh, I think you've got the challenge for us. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. Our challenge this week is to get together with a friend to share a meal. And maybe that's a time when you can rejoice with them uh, about some big steps. Ask them, what steps have you taken towards the Lord and and growing in Him? Or just to enjoy spending time with them. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, we feel like we have to have some special occasion to, you know, invite someone out or go hang out with somebody or whatever. I think it was my birthday, like I said, not too many days ago here. Despite how much time our family spends together, my mom is still demanding that we go out to eat and celebrate. <laughs> it's like, come on, mom. We, can't we just like move past this? We don't need to go out and eat. But like she, she's saying you are important. She really <laughs> wants to eat. And it is kind of amazing how important <laughs> food is in celebration. And so I guess yeah. if you have no good reason to celebrate, well, just go out and hang out and, and spend some time together. Yeah, there's... Something about sharing a meal. It's all throughout the Bible. You know, there's there's a, a unique thing that happens around a table when you break bread together. I, I wish that uh, I could call you up and invite you over to go get some Five Guys or something, but we'll find somebody this week to do that with. You know we would go to Rock Springs if you were here, right? Oh, man. Now, that just feels mean to bring that up, actually. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> um, all right. Well, why don't you go and have a piece of pie for me? And uh, before we finish up here, let's close with a word of prayer. And the suggested prayer we had in the study guide is, Father, help us to rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances And that's taken from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18. So let's go to God in prayer. Holy Father, 
You are the source of every good thing. We live every day of our lives within the river of your grace and blessing. As each new day, all these gifts flow into our lives. Father, we pray that no gift would delight us above you, that we would seek nothing more than your presence. We praise you for the people that we get to enjoy this life with. We praise you and thank you for the food we ate today, for the songs we heard, for the beauty we saw. We thank you for the moments of happiness. But more than that, we praise you for the abiding joy that stays with us, even in sadness, even in rough, hard times. Thank you for the joy we have in Christ to rejoice in you always. We adore you. You are everything we aspire to emulate. Everything that we love gains its goodness from you. Your love is better than life itself, and we ask for strength and perspective and help that we might never drift or be drawn away from you. Like we sing, let your goodness, like a fetter, bind our wandering hearts to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So as we wrap up this conversation, we've got another one just coming right down the pipe from this one. That's our seventh guided study, and that is going to be about family. And of course, as you think about what's good, how can we not cover family? And I can think of a lot of examples of good, godly family members that we can look to not only in our own lives, but also in God's word. There are plenty of people who we can read about throughout the Bible who acted as good sons and daughters and brothers. And that's maybe something that we'll talk about on the next episode. And so in preparation for that, we encourage you to read Matthew 15, verse 4, Romans 8, verses 12 to 17, and Psalm 127 and 128. Those are two of my favorite psalms. Yeah, this makes me think of that song, one of my wife's favorite hymns, For the Beauty of the Earth, which kind of would be a good theme song for this study if we were having a so- <laughs> uh, opening song. That's what we need to do. About- we need to have a theme song for every guided study. <laughs> that would be perfect. <laughs> I like it. It talks about, in one of the verses, for the joy of human love, brother, sister, parent, child, friends on earth, friends above, for all gentle thoughts and mild. So I'm excited to get into that and uh, talk about some of those good gifts of family. And so next week, we are going to be off. We thank you so much, though, for sticking with us until two weeks from now, where we'll be back to talk a little bit about family. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in to the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. You can find show notes for this episode in your podcast player of choice or at BibleGeeks.fm slash 159. You can also follow along with this guided study about what's good there on our website at BibleGeeks.fm slash good. You can also get the study guide for this session. And at the end of this whole conversation, we will have a PDF ready for you to download to have these conversations on your own. And until two weeks, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.